Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for the beauty of your body, the beauty of the body of Christ, Christ Jesus, the head, the firstborn from among the dead, in whom we are all united by faith. And so, Lord, now we turn by faith to your holy word that we believe is absolutely and unequivocally true, and we turn expecting you to do something in us through it. By your Holy Spirit who is in this place, Lord, we pray that you would bring your word to bear right where each of us is and transform us by the renewing of our minds so that when we leave this experience, we leave different, more like Jesus, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. You ever think about the difference between God's perspective and yours? I think about that sometimes, and it's pretty remarkable, really, to think about the difference between what God is able to know and to see and what I am able to know and to see. Many years ago, I was university minister at Hillview Heights Church, and I taught a Sunday school class to our college students. And in the room, there was a painting. It was a part of the Sistine Chapel, where the hand of God is reaching out to the hand of Adam. It's, it's this famous painting. Uh, and it stayed there in that Sunday school room because somebody had donated it to the church many years before. Well, on one particular Sunday, I walked in, and I gave every one of the students a little card that had four squares on it. And each of the four squares was a little bit of a different color. And I said, what is this picture of? And they didn't have a clue. So I gave them a different picture. This one had about 16 squares, four by four. And each of the individual squares were a different color. And so I said, well, what's this picture of? And, and somebody who was a graphic design student said, these are pixels. That's what they are. Great, what's the picture of? We don't know. So I gave him another one, and this one was probably 64 by 64, you know, zooming out a little bit. A bunch of different colored squares. What's the picture of? We don't know. Well, I did this a few more times until finally I zoomed out far enough where you could see a finger reaching out. And somebody said, it's that painting. I said, it is. And here's the reminder. God sees the whole picture, we just get to see individual pixels. God sees how all the pixels come together. His view is so zoomed out, he can see it all working together to make a beautiful picture. We, on the other hand, are so profoundly limited that all we can do is take our little squares of color and guess. God's perspective is bigger than ours, isn't it? God sees more, God knows more. God understands more. So every time I'm with somebody who's going through a medical diagnosis, and you know that that's a process, you got to go test to test to test to test, and, and often it depends on what the insurance company approves. Isn't that fun? But you go through that process, and one of the things that I always try to remind myself and I try to remind them is that God doesn't need any diagnostic imaging. God doesn't need a CT scan. God doesn't need a PET scan. God doesn't even need a blood test. He knows what's going on in our bodies. The Bible says he knows every hair on our head. He knows every cell in our bodies. I believe 
beyond the shadow of a doubt. I believe that God even knows what all the individual chemicals going into our bodies and working in our bodies are doing to produce life in us. But we don't, so we have to go through all the diagnostic tests and procedures and approvals and all those sorts of things to figure out what's going on. Or when we're wondering what the future holds. God, what, what do you have in store for me later? One of the most comforting facts to me is the fact that God already knows. Did you know that He knows your story already? And He knows my story already. The psalmist says that all the days that were ordained for me were written in His book before even one of them came to be. And so we can know that though we don't know, God knows. How's that for a tongue twister on a January Sunday morning? We can know that although we don't know, God knows. And that's enough. Well, we're going to see a profound example of God moving in ways that a couple of men that you've probably heard of before could not possibly have perceived. And God was working in one man's life in one location and in another man's life in a different location. These two men didn't know each other. Their paths didn't cross. They lived in different cities. And yet, what God was doing in each of their lives was going to so profoundly impact the other's life that they would never be the same again. And on not only that, God was going to radically shift the trajectory of the history of salvation through this interaction. Today we're going to look at the story of Cornelius and Peter. So I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, if you're in the room, the Red Pew Bible in front of you, that is page 918. Page 918. I was just going to talk about Cornelius, but you can't talk about Cornelius without Peter, and you can't talk about Peter without Cornelius. And it's a phenomenal story of God being God, because that's what God does best. He's God. For those of you that have been with me to the Holy Land, we flew in to Tel Aviv, and we're going to talk about Joppa, which is now called Yafo, which is just north of Tel Aviv, right there on the coast of the Mediterranean. We're going to talk about Caesarea Maritima, which was the first site with ruins that we went to. Herod built this amazing city there and port there on the coast of the Mediterranean. And so we're going to talk about Joppa, and we're going to talk about Caesarea So, some of you have been there before, and others of you, Lord willing, will get to go. But we're going to see God work in two men's lives and then bring their stories to an intersection that changes everything. The theme for today's message is Cornelius and Peter decided to follow Jesus, and their lives were transformed. Cornelius and Peter decided to follow Jesus and their lives were transformed. Dr. Luke records this story for us as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit saying this with verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa to bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. 
Our first point today is this. Cornelius followed God to a new vision. Cornelius followed God to a new vision. Now let me give you a little bit of context here. Remember, God chose his people through Abraham. God chose Abraham, and through Abraham, he established a people called the people Israel. These are the Jewish people, and they were set apart wholly unto God to be God's people. Well, in the Bible, if you are not a Jew, you're a Gentile. All the other distinctions notwithstanding, if you are not ethnically born a Jew, you are a Gentile. That means the vast majority of us who are participating in this worship experience right now would be characterized as Gentiles. Salvation came to the Jews. God chose Abraham by his will, and he brought his promise through Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, then to the tribes, and, and on down through Moses, and then King David, and Solomon. Solomon, and God had selected them and said, out of the whole earth, you are my treasured possession. You are to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Although the whole earth is mine, you, he said to this people, will be the apple of my eye. But what often happened by the grace of God with this, was that there were some Gentiles who joined the Jews in the worship of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was Cornelius. He was what was called a God-fearer. He was a Gentile by birth, but he worshiped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was a God-fearer. And he wanted to do whatever it took to worship God according to God's revelation of himself and according to the truth. Well, he got a vision one day. He had been doing his best to honor God with his life, and then an angel of the Lord showed up and scared him to death. Have you ever noticed that whenever an angel shows up, the first thing they say is, don't fear? Mm-hmm. That's because if an angel showed up to you this afternoon, you'd probably be scared to death too, just like I would. But God speaks to Cornelius that there's a man who is Simon, who's known as Peter, and he's south along the coast just a little bit in the town of Joppa. He's staying with the house of Simon the Tanner. It's right there on the water. And you need to send for him because God said, Cornelius, I'm going to show you something. What was God doing? God was preparing the heart of Cornelius to receive the message that Peter was proclaiming. So Cornelius was being prepared by the hand of Almighty God, by this angelic visitation, to receive the message of the gospel that God was showing him. I am Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I have so loved the world that I gave my only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is actively working in Cornelius, a Gentile, to prepare him for the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, that's part of the story because God also had to prepare the messenger. So look with me now at verse 9, and let's see God prepare the messenger. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open in something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, "'Rise, Peter,' kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. 
And the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once into heaven. Hold on just one second. Push pause. I'm going to go in and tell you the, the second point, but I want to explain what's going on here. So the second point is that Peter followed Jesus to a new revelation. Cornelius had followed Jesus to a new vision. Peter is following Jesus to a new revelation. What is happening in this vision for Peter as this sheet is being brought down? Well, what is on this sheet is a bunch of things we might call food that Peter was not allowed to eat. Because in Leviticus chapter 11, God had imposed laws upon His people about what they could and could not eat. You've heard of things being kosher, right? Well, what God was doing was He was telling His people, part of your being set apart unto Me will be illustrated not only in markings on your body by way of circumcision, but in the way that you eat and in the foods that you eat. And there was a long list of foods that God's people were prohibited to eat. For example, they couldn't eat pork. It wasn't the other white meat to them. It was detestable to them. They couldn't have bacon. Bless their hearts. They couldn't have bacon. They couldn't have a catfish fry because they couldn't eat catfish because catfish are detritivores and they go along the bottom and eat the junk off the bottom. They couldn't have a shrimp boil because they couldn't eat crustaceans because of, honestly, God's pretty smart. The things that those things eat, if you don't cook them properly, you can get pretty sick, can't you? So God, in all of his brilliance, remember, he knows more than we do. He says, yet yeah, these are the things that you're not supposed to eat, and most of them will make you sick if you eat them. Now, there were some other things, some certain birds that you weren't allowed to eat and things that crawled upon the earth. You weren't allowed to eat certain insects, but you were allowed to eat other insects. And so all of this was part of God setting his people apart. Well, what Peter is seeing come down on this sheet is all the stuff that he wouldn't even call food because he wasn't allowed to eat it. Because by eating it, he would dishonor God. And so when the sheet comes down and God hears this voice in my Bible, the, the letters are in red, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He says, by no means, Lord. Now, one of these days, I'm going to preach a sermon entitled, by no means, Lord. And the whole sermon is going to go, when you tell God no, how's that going for you? But anyway, that's a different sermon for a different Sunday. What he sees come down is detestable to him. And Jesus tells him, eat it. And he says, no way. He probably thought it was a test. No, I'm not, I'm not going to eat that. You said don't eat that. I'm not, I'm not going to eat that. But Jesus had communicated throughout his ministry, it's not what you take in that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of you. Jesus has said it's not the food that goes into your mouth that makes you unclean. It's, it's what comes out of your defiled heart that makes you unclean. Cornelius, incidentally, unless he chose otherwise, would have no problem eating any of the things that were on the sheet. But Peter did. And so Jesus is communicating to Peter through this vision, through this revelation, that he is doing a new work. He is declaring foods clean. That's why you and I can eat bacon sandwiches today. Okay? But he is doing something even greater. Watch this. Verse 17, now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, 
Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Now, I've already told you the second point is that Peter followed Jesus to a new revelation, but look at what is happening here. God is changing the paradigms of both of these men. God is changing the understanding that they've lived with their entire lives. But notice the general attitude of each of these men, both of Cornelius and of Peter. The general attitude of both of these men was this, if you say so, Lord, I'm in. Whatever you want, that's what I'll do. So Cornelius was in a position when the angelic visitation came to him to say, this is new to me, but okay. Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Simon Peter up on the rooftop at noon, hungry, although he did not understand what the vision meant, and while he was perplexed about it all, and while this was changing everything he'd ever known about what he was able to eat, he says, okay, Lord, if this is what you want, I'm in. I'm going to tell you, for you and me, our relationships with God will be the richest if we will allow ourselves to obey God no matter what. Or in other words, our answer to Him is yes before He even asks the question. Lord, whatever you want. You tell me to do something that doesn't make any sense to me, fine. For me, Jeff, go down and preach in view of a call at First Baptist Church, Bowling Green, Kentucky. That didn't make any sense to me. But God said go. So is the general attitude of my life and is the general attitude of your life that, God, whatever you want, I'm in? Or is it, God, let me evaluate what you've called me to do. I'll be the judge of what I'll do in response to your call. When you give me your word, I'll figure out the parts that I want to believe and the parts that I want to obey. Or are you more like Cornelius and Peter? Lord, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm in. If you say so, that's what I'll do. And that's the call of God to all of us. But I have to tell you, 
that if you live your relationship with God trying to hold Him at an arm's length, then you're never going to enjoy the richness and the fullness of the intimate relationship that He is willing to have with you through Jesus Christ. You say, well, it's tough when you're out on the end of the limb and it's just you and God. It is. And I'm convinced that sometimes God allows us to be in positions when we're out on the end of the limb and it's just us and God. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard in my spirit, the Lord asked me, do you, do you trust me? And the answer logically, cognitively, is yes, Lord, I trust you. Now, the answer emotionally, sometimes I struggle with that. Maybe you do too. But yes, Lord, I trust you. And then comes the response, then trust me. If you trust me, then trust me. Cornelius was the kind of man who trusted God. So when the angelic visitation came, it didn't make any sense to him. He said, okay, I trust you. And Simon Peter was the kind of man who trusted God. So when the vision came from heaven that didn't make any sense to him, he said, okay, I trust you. And he goes. He's not even sure why he's going, but he goes. Let's watch what happens. Look at, look at verse 30. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Listen to this. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Our third point. Cornelius followed Jesus to a new obedience. Cornelius followed Jesus to a new obedience. He said, God said to go get you, so I did. And then I brought some friends, and we're all here in the house, and you've made it here all the way down from Joppa up to or Caesarea, up Caesarea. And we're here to hear whatever you have to say. Charles Spurgeon said, The same sun which melts the wax hardens the clay, and the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sins. There's two types of people that hear the message of the gospel. Those who are willing to hear and obey, and those who hear and are hardened. What you have with Cornelius and the people that he's gathered together in his house is is a heart that says, Lord, speak. I'm listening, and I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you say, because my answer to you is yes before you even ask the question. I'm in. Have your way in me. Tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. I'll do it. So funny, our current chair of the deacons, Clint, he didn't know I was going to mention him today, but since he's the chair of the deacons, he doesn't get a say in the matter. Um, he wanted to be a deacon. He knew the Lord was leading him to be a deacon, but he didn't want to get up and share his testimony with the church. He's like, you know what? I don't need to be a deacon. But you know what God did? God said, Clint, you're going to be a deacon. And Clint didn't know he would become the chair of the deacons. So he said, all right, if you want me to share my testimony, Lord, that's fine. I'll do it. And he did. He got up right here, and he shared his testimony and did a phenomenal job. Because his answer to God was yes, before God really even asked the question. 
Even when he had misgivings. And he, even when he, he was like, I'm not sure I want to do that. You know, how many of you in this room, how many of you who are participating in this experience have had a moment where, where God called you to do something that was beyond your comfort zone and you did it and you were blessed and other people were blessed and God was glorified and it was amazing. And in the same way, how many of us have been called by God to do something that was beyond our comfort zone and we closed in on ourselves and we allowed fear to win and we said, no, Lord, I can't do that. When God wasn't... God wasn't asking us to step out in our strength. He was asking us to step out in His strength, in obedience to Him. It's where the old adage comes from, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. What we're seeing here is the intersection of Cornelius, a Gentile, and Peter, a Jew, coming together in Jesus Christ. Because what is God doing? He is abolishing the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. For there is salvation found in no one else but in Jesus Christ, who, who when he died on the cross, the veil to the, to the inner chamber, the holy of holies of the temple was torn so that the way to God was made open to all people through Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, no one comes to the Father but by him, but by Jesus, all people, all people, not just those who can trace their lineage to Abraham, but all people can come by repentance and faith to Almighty God. Cornelius and his household were ready to hear whatever Peter had to say. Watch what Peter had to say. Verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Our fourth point, Peter followed Jesus to a new assignment. Peter followed Jesus to a new assignment. He is revealing through the voice of Peter this mystery that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6. Peter never would have dreamed that this would be his assignment. But Peter never would have dreamed that he could eat a BLT sandwich. God opened Peter to this assignment. And so what did it say, verse 34? So Peter opened his mouth. That's what God had called Peter to do. He didn't call him to go save Cornelius. Peter couldn't save Cornelius. 
All he could do was open his mouth and deliver the message of the gospel. And he did. Watch what happened. Verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. Our fifth and final point. Cornelius followed Jesus to a new spirit. Cornelius followed Jesus to a new spirit. Why did the Holy Spirit come upon Cornelius and his household in this extraordinary way? Well, because what was God doing? He was opening salvation to the Gentiles. And so the ways that the Jewish people received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost were confirmed in the Gentiles by the way that they received the Holy Spirit on this day. This is historical account of God coming upon the Jews and coming upon the Gentiles with the Holy Spirit. This is God convincing the Jewish people, yeah, this is of God too, because they received the Holy Spirit in the same way that we did. Cornelius opened his heart to God, and through Jesus Christ, God came in. Peter had opened his heart to God, and through Jesus Christ, God came in. And God was doing things in each of their lives that the other couldn't possibly know about. They were in different cities. They ran in different circles. Cornelius was a centurion. Peter was a fisherman. Cornelius was a Gentile. Peter was a Jew. Peter was in Joppa. Cornelius was in Caesarea. And yet, God did things in each of their lives independently that they couldn't possibly perceive that changed the trajectory of each of their lives forever. You know, if you're in Christ, the Bible said God works all things together for good to you because you've been called according to His purpose. He's doing that for you right now. You say, well, I can't, I can't tell what He's doing. And neither could Peter or Cornelius. But that didn't mean God wasn't doing it. So if you're in a position where you have to trust Him, trust Him. He knows more than you. He sees more than you. And he's working out for you great and wonderful things. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.